number 90 registered, and I was still getting registrations this morning, so we'll see. But I am glad that you are here, and I feel the presence of the Lord, and I'm glad I'm so thrilled and happy and thankful that I feel his presence. I want to welcome everybody to call, and I'll probably do this again later, but I give honor to Pastor Glenn Murphy and for opening his church and hosting this. The music, my goodness, it was tremendous this morning, last night. Did you enjoy the food last night? Were you here? Wow. And I hear we've got more coming at lunch, so I'm looking forward to that. And, of course, our National Evangelist Coordinator, Doug Kleinditz, will be with us and is with us. And what a tremendous message he preached last night. And uh, I give honor to Brother Bunch, Brother Thomas we'll be hearing from later, and Sister Jennifer Williams. Any of this that you hear will be on podcast later. I don't know how long does it normally take you guys to get it up. 24 to 48 hours, so you'll be able to go to the Grace website and pull that up. And we'll please help me remember to announce that later when after everybody eats lunch. <clears throat> I'm just honored to be here with you, and uh, honored that you're here, and so glad you came to call. I believe you'll leave here challenged in your spirit, and it'll help you in the days and weeks to come. Ephesians 4.1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech ye that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. If I were to title this this morning, I would, I would title it A Distinct Call. I'm just going to talk to you a little bit. I... This may be the strangest, they've got me down as keynote, so it may be the strangest keynote you've ever heard in your life. We're just going to talk. As a young boy, I grew up in the country, and I have memories of, of playing the different childhood games a kid plays, but I also remember standing behind a table in our living room ever so often preaching to an imaginary audience. I've never known what it was to, be not, to not be called. In a meeting with my parents and pastor at the time, G.A. Mangan, it was decided that I would attend Apostolic Bible Institute in St. Paul, Minnesota. Here's one thing I know about this morning. I wrestled with what to do here, and I kept coming back to what I'm going to talk to you about. So even though there's only a few of us here, there's somebody here that I am talking to today, and I do realize that completely. After one year in Bible college, I came back home ready to chase hell with a water pistol and turn the world upside down. I had several meetings when I was 19 years old, revivals that were very successful, blowout services, people receiving the Holy Ghost, 
And as a young evangelist, I felt like I was headed to high places. I kind of related to Brother Kleinitz and what he was talking about last night. My exuberance was short-lived. I arrived at camp meeting that year, 1979, ready to schedule with every pastor that had a calendar with him. Only to have my ambitions kicked to the curb. And I had an experience at that camp meeting that is my fault because I took my eyes off of God and I put it on man and something that took place during that camp meeting and it sidetracked my calling. I'll never forget the week after that camp meeting getting no less than five calls from five different pastors asking me to hold revivals for them. And each one I turned down. The longest was a, was a week long with him asking me, the pastor asking me whole weeks ahead of that week open so that because we might go longer. For a kid that was 19 years old, that was huge. I, I turned each one of them down. The next two weeks after that, I had two more pastors call me, and I turned them down in secession. I had made a decision after observing what I had observed at Louisiana Camp Meeting that if that was ministry, I wanted no part of it. The problem... I wasn't giving any thought to Romans 11.29 that your call is irrevocable. It's without repentance. And Ephesians 4.1 explains being a prisoner of Christ. I just thought I had somewhere else to go and something else to do. Those events put me into a 25-year spiral of life that was brutal. Finally, in 2004, I walked in my pastor's office. We had moved to uh, Bossier City, Pastor Jerry Dean. He listened to me tell why I couldn't be involved in ministry for 20 minutes. And when I got done spilling all that out, he said, are you done? I said, yes, sir. He said, get rid of the crutches. And two months later, I preached my first sermon coming back into ministry. From 2004 to 2007, I was very part-time. In July of 2007, I was on a business trip to Los Angeles, California. We landed, had landed a large national account. We were making great money. Things financially had never looked better. The only drawbacks that I was having was I hadn't seen my family a whole lot that year. Won't ever forget sitting down in a recliner, in a hotel room in Los Angeles. We'd had a great day. We'd made a good amount of money. I sat down in that recliner, and I barely had gotten in the recliner. And I I literally said it audibly, I'm so tired of this. Right back at me as clear as I've ever heard or felt or thought. When are you going to stop chasing the dollar and do what I want you to do? I came out of that recliner to the edge of the bed. I wept rivers that evening. I don't know how long I was there, but when I got up from it, 
I was committed. It was a distinct call. I had three more weeks of wrapping things up with the, the account. We were working. I flew to Chicago for a week, then to Denver for two weeks, then home. By the way, Brother Doug Kleinditz just happened to be in Denver. Just happened. Just coincidentally. Just by accident. Probably a mistake. But he was speaking at a conference in Denver at the same time that I went there to finish this account out. And I had met him in Bossier. He had been in an extended revival there. And uh, so I knew he was at that in Denver. So I went to the conference. Great move of God that night. Brother Klein has called several to the front to help with the altars, including me. He saw me in the audience and he asked me to come help. So I was leaving. I went to tell him goodbye. And he said to me, it won't be long until you will be in full-time ministry. In fact, I don't like putting time limits on dates and stuff, but I feel it strongly that it will be within the next weeks, no longer than six months. He didn't know, but he was confirming an encounter that I had had just a couple of weeks earlier in a hotel room in Los Angeles, California. I finished the week, flew to Dallas. My wife, Melissa, who's here, picked me up at the airport, and I geared up for war. Any of you guys that are married to a Cajun lady, you'll understand. And if you're a Cajun lady, you understand. <clears throat> I was about to break to her that I was about to quit my job making good money. And I was going into full-time ministry. Now, what you've got to remember is that up to that point that year, I, this is July, I had preached one time. I'm going full-time, Brother Murphy. But I had heard from God. I knew that I had had a distinct call to his work. I was willing to face whatever opposition, answer all of her concerns, but I knew at the end of the day, as they say, I had to answer God's call. So she picks me up. We get out of Dallas, headed to Shreveport. I let us, she was driving. I let us get out of town just a little bit so she wouldn't drive off the road and kill me. <clears throat> Told her I needed to talk to her. I said, I need to go to, to full-time ministry. Now remember how many times I preached that year. I felt like 15 minutes went by. I'm sure it wasn't that long, but nobody was saying anything. I, I, I had been taught well as a salesman. The first, after you present your case, the first one to say something loses. Meaning, you lose your deal Whoever says, either they're going to buy or you're going to lose a sale. Finally, she said, well, if that's what you feel, then that's what we should do. If I hadn't have been strapped into the car by a seatbelt, if the door had been open, I would have fell. Brother Bunch, I'd have hit the pavement. Of course, what I'm leaving out of this is four years earlier. 
I had walked into the house one evening and said, Melissa, I'm getting ready to go into ministry. Now, that was after that meeting with Brother Dean. And she said, you mean to tell me you're going from sitting a pew to now you're going to start preaching? I totally broadsided her. Anyway, it was a major confirmation that I, what I was feeling was from God to go into full-time ministry. I finished all the loose ends up within a month. I was in full-time ministry. Made myself available within a few, within a few weeks. I had several places to preach after that for 11 years I preached full time with the worst year being that we only preached 43 weeks out of 52 my average was 47 God blessed us with places to go I was happy evangelizing I preached around the world Africa Asia UK Canada all across America I went places evangelizing that I had Desires to go that I'd never gone before. I was blessed to preach in small churches, large churches. As far as I was concerned, I was, a, I was an evangelist lifer. With that, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I've laid all the foundation to get to this point. Again, I, I refer back to the part of the scripture I read at the beginning. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Being captive to Christ means we have surrendered everything. We are captive to Christ. We're not our own. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I understand completely that I'm absolutely still a work in process. But one thing I learned during 25 years of spiraling out of control, I never want to be outside the will of God ever again. The hour and day we live in has absolutely rocked us. It has rocked us into a microwave mentality. We pray, we fast. If it doesn't happen right then, then it must not be the will of God. Or we put it off as something else. Bottom line, we forget about it. Back to I'm the happy evangelist. My wife is happy to be the happy evangelist's wife. As far as we, are, we were concerned, we were evangelist lifers. I would even get upset at those that had attitudes toward evangelists. That evangelizing was a stepping stone to pastoring or missions, etc. I still do. I, for one, understood, understand the vital importance of the evangelists, their role within the fivefold ministry. And we have individuals like the Apostle Paul that are called to be an evangelist. They are not stepping stones to anywhere. They are in their role. Back to I'm just a happy evangelist. Several years ago, within a 9 to a 12 month period, I had several men of God whom I respect and think a lot of say to me at various times, you're going to pastor. Of course, it wasn't happening right then. I can honestly tell you, I wasn't feeling nothing about a pastoring. That's probably a good thing because during that time, I had several churches talking to me, asking me to pastor them. I felt nothing, wasn't interested, wasn't actually began wondering how these men of God had missed it so badly. A couple of years ago, I was while at a conference in Kansas City at the end of a 
prayer meeting several ministers with Brother Gleason and Brother Kleinditz before they were to go out and minister, Brother Rick Marcelli spoke to me. No one had been given words of prophecy. Brother Marcelli spoke up and said, I have a word for Brother Fletcher. We were getting ready to walk out of the room. He said, you're going to pastor. When you get to that place, you will immediately know it. And as you begin pastoring there, it's going to be so comfortable. It will feel like an old pair of shoes. In other words, it will feel like you have been pastoring there for years. God is preparing that place for you right now. There are people in that place that only you can reach. They need you. What you have to understand at that point, there had already been three or four men of God come to me. I was already in denial of it. Within a few months of it, after a couple more had told me they felt like I was going to pastor, I'm just putting it down, they have missed this. Because it wasn't happening then. It wasn't taking place right. I was in the microwave. An important point is that I started telling my wife, instilling that in her, that I didn't think there was anything to it. Speaking that into her spirit. You better, we better be careful of what we speak into our spouses. It built a wall that we had to overcome later. Allow me to remind you again of the microwave syndrome. Yeah, it's actually such a thing. We want it. What we want, we want it now. My case, it wasn't that we were wanting to pastor, but it wasn't happening right then, so I was writing it off to nothing. I'm talking to somebody this morning. I'm attempting to arrest somebody's thinking, emotions, and feelings for a moment to, remi- to remind you, God's ways are not our ways. A day is a thousand years to God, a thousand years is a day. We are serving a God that lives in a timeless and eternity Though his promises are yea and amen, we are on his timetable. Fast forward from several years ago to June 9th this year. I flew into Milwaukee, Wisconsin to hold a series of services lasting over two weekends and two Wednesday nights for a good friend of mine, Pastor Jim Booker. He and his wife picked me up at the airport. I got into their vehicle. He's on the phone as I get into their vehicle. He gets off the phone. He tells his wife, we need to keep River Falls in our prayers. They're looking for a pastor. I mentioned a few minutes ago I'd had churches, board members, talk to me about pastoring them as I would go through their churches preaching. A couple were good situations. I walked out of a couple places going, Keith, are you sure? But I was never interested. I was never tempted. But the name River Falls hit me like a ton of bricks. I didn't even know where River Falls was. I'd never been there, but it started a series of thoughts that I couldn't get the place out of my mind. In fact, for the next several nights, I lost sleep with River Falls pounding in my brain. The short story is, with a whole lot left out, the final Wednesday night that I was supposed to be with Brother Booker, I ended up in River Falls, Wisconsin, to preach for them. Before I left West Bend, Wisconsin, to drive to River Falls, I knew I was to be their next pastor. 
And the only thing that was going to get in the way was man's will. It was another distinct call, this time to pastor. I had to look River Falls up on a map. When I finally realized what God was doing, I got my phone. Won't ever forget it. I'm sitting in Brother Booker's downstairs area. I looked it up and I said, okay, there's where it's at. That's where I'm going to pastor. I'm leaving a whole lot out about my wife and what she thought about it. (laughs) But when I crossed into the city limits of that town, I wept like a baby. When I stepped into the pulpit, I was as comfortable as I've ever been in any pulpit. My schedule for this year had been full up to July the 1st. But after July, it was bare. And boy, I'm going to tell you something. If you know what evangelizing is all about, that's a scary deal. I had went through the, the last several months between May and July doing something I would, prided myself in not doing, and that was picking up the phone and calling pastors. Hey, you got a place this fall for me? Uh, I was sending texts, emails out. Nothing. Went to Louisiana camp meeting. All the pastors act like they loved me and was glad to see me, but nobody was asking me to preach because God had a plan. Boy, sometimes I wish he'd say, here's what's happening. Ten years. Here's your five-year plan. Here's your ten-year plan. But he doesn't do it that way. We all know that. An evangelist without a schedule is scarier than Jason and Freddie on Halloween. Sorry, Melissa. I apologize. I saw the look. Seriously, I'm not a proponent of Halloween. I'm just, we don't need to help Satan out with any of his stuff. But July the 8th, Apostolic Church scheduled our family to meet the church. There was a bunch of miracles took place up to that point. Just getting us in tune with God and the will of God. They, we went there on the 8th or 10th. They voted to send his pastor with 93% of the vote. July the 15th, I was back in Wisconsin pastoring. Within just a few weeks, I told Melissa, Brother Maselli was right. I felt like I'd been there for years. Melissa and I could not be happier to be moving to River Falls, pastoring apostolic church. We love the town. We love the area. I don't have time to tell you all about it. I don't want to tell you all about it because you'll try to take the place away from me. I'm just kidding about the last part. We had pastor appreciation Sunday, October the 14th. The church gave us cards, blah, blah, blah. Two of the cards I can show you mentioned feeling like we've been pastoring there for years. Again, this may be the strangest keynote that you've ever heard. But I'm simply attempting to tell, to say, don't give up on your promise. Listen to the voice of God. Don't put it in a microwave. Whatever God is talking to you about, 
understand that God's ways really aren't our ways. His timing is, he's not on my and your timetable. He's working all things to our good. And if we will just get that and understand that, and instead of making our own decisions, I had nine men of God, Brother Kleinditz, that I had high respect of, spoken to my life. And I made the decision. After all, I ran through my story. After all the doofuses, mistakes I'd made, I still made the decision I knew better. How, how much more do you need than nine men of God telling you God saying that you're going to pastor and you're going, nope, they don't know what they're talking about, but I do. I'm talking to somebody. We can be sensitive to the Spirit if we will all open our. I've learned some tremendous things through this deal. If I will simply open myself to the will of God, and really, I can preach it, I can teach it, I can talk it, but until I start living it, just like Brother Kleindis was talking last night, God wants us to come up higher, and we can go there. And there's different levels that we can get to, but I've got to make sure as I'm going through those levels that I'm not putting a blind eye. I'm not, I'm not taking a deaf ear. And I'm not l- trying to look at things through blind eyes or scaled eyes. I've got my eyes wide open and my ears wide open and my senses totally exposed to God. Because if I don't do it that way, I can miss something in my life that is absolutely a path and a vein of God to walk in that I can miss because I know what I'm talking about, about missing. If I've ever been in the main, in a vein and a flow of the Holy Ghost right now, I am right now. So I know what it is to be outside of it and to be in it. And we can make with our own finite minds all of these decisions and all of these things And we better be careful. And sometimes we just need to slow down and stay in place where we are at. Help the pastor where we are at. Do where we're at with what we've got, with what God has called us to do at that place at that time. And he will elevate us and he will take us to different places if we will just put our faith and our trust in him. Can somebody say amen? Amen. So... What I'm attempting to tell people this morning is simply listen to the voice of God. Don't get in a hurry. Now, when God says hurry, run. Give it everything you got. Run with everything you have. But when he says be still and see the salvation of the Lord, we better stop and we better be still. Can somebody say amen? Why don't you stand to your feet? I'd like you to grab the person's hand beside you. And I want you to pray for that individual. Lord, lead and guide my brother. 
leading guide my sister. I want you to just pray that prayer. Let God work through you this morning to pray the prayer that you need to pray for that individual whose hand you're holding, who you're touching right now, and go ahead and pray for the will of God for their lives. Will you do that? Lord, in the name of Jesus, right now, God, I pray over this congregation. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, God, that you would touch each and every person in this house. Lord, that you would lead and guide them. I pray for a divine, Lord, opening of their eyes, opening of their ears. God, help them to see, help them to hear what thus saith the word of God, what thus saith the Lord. God, speak into their spirit right now. God, I pray that you would touch each and every individual that you would touch their hearts, that you would touch their minds. God, that there would be an uncommon visitation of the Holy Ghost right now in Jesus' name. Help us to receive what it is that you have for us this morning in this place in the name of Jesus. Now somebody start giving him praise. Somebody worship him. Somebody thank him. God, you're able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can think or imagine. And we thank you, Jesus. Come on, you can do a little bit better than that. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're God Almighty. Hallelujah.